you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, everybody. What's going on? DJ Buck here for Move the Sticks. Buck, what's going on, man? Man, this is a crazy, crazy time. Free agency frenzy is right upon us, and I can't wait to see where some of these guys are going to land. I mean, just <laughs> last weekend, just seeing everything where everyone was going, the uh, Antonio Brown trade and some of the rumblings of where free agents are going to go, we just know that in a couple of days it's going to be bananas. Yeah, we are uh, – I'm going to say this. As we're recording this, Trent Brown, it, it looks like, is going to sign with the Oakland Raiders for a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already made the Antonio Brown trade. We'll get to that in a second. I'm going to say during this show, we will have a real-time – update because somebody's going to sign during this and we can react to it in real time which is always kind of fun <laughs> i mean yeah i mean it's it's part of the deal but i mean man when you put the pieces of the puzzle together when you're building a team uh we focus so much on the draft but free agency is a big part of it and so as you evaluate the draft coming out of the combine and being able to plug in holes where you think the draft is weak um that's what the great teams are doing while also keeping it at the right value so we'll see. We'll see how some of these teams approach it. But, man, there's a lot of money to spend. There are a lot of players to get. And some of these players are going to get big deals that their play will never live up to. No doubt. Uh, and we always talk about I think the important thing to remember in free agency and in the draft is the point we talk about all the time is, is proper slotting. Right? It's like building a baseball lineup. You mm-hmm. want guys slotted in the right spot. So you get a receiver who's been a great number three now you you pay him big money. You're asking him to be the number one guy. It's a different deal now, It's Buck. a different deal. It's a different deal. And you have to make sure that you don't let the compensation cloud what a player is and what he's p- potentially capable of doing in a certain situation. Uh, I think Pete Carroll said this best, and this goes all the way back to the Matt Flynn thing. You can't let the cost of acquiring a player cloud you from what that player really is. And they had to do that when it came time to make a decision with Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn. Yeah. You don't want to, like, let that situation affect it, but you want to make sure you get the players that you want, and then you want to put them in the right situation where they can succeed, regardless of how much money you have to spend. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's uh, let's get to this Antonio Brown trade. Uh, it was for a third and fifth round pick in uh, this year's draft, right? Mm, yes. So, yes. I mean, look, and they end up giving him a new contract, three years, fifty, a little over fifty million, uh, thirty of that guaranteed. So. Had to pony up some cash. I had heard there were other teams involved, Buck, um, that he might have been willing to play on his existing deal for a year and then and then kind of revisit this whole thing. Uh, but I think there's other teams he he wanted the uh, he wanted the deal done uh, yes. financially before he was going to make that move. And man, he was all smiles on uh, on social media. Yesterday. I mean, why wouldn't you be like, Happy I, like man. you go you go from look. I, I don't know if we've ever seen this play out like this, but this is very NBA-like in terms of the squeaky wheel getting the grease. He yep. wanted more guarantees in his deal because all the guarantees was out of his contract at Pittsburgh. He didn't necessarily like the situation that he was in with the quarterback. He and the quarterback, for whatever reason, didn't get along. He wanted a better situation there, and he wanted to be compensated for what he has been. 
I saw you talk about, look, say what you want to about A.B. and the antics. Six years, 100-plus catches, over 1,200 yards, uh, a gang of touchdowns. He yep. is, without question, if not the best receiver in football, he's in the conversation as the top two or three in every conversation, no matter who you stack him up against. You now have an opportunity to go from zero guaranteed money to $30 million guaranteed. You now have kicked up your annual average to about $19 million, uh, coming closer to being the $20 million man. At 31 years old, he's able to do that. So, look, A.B. won. <laughs> no matter how you slice it, he won this negotiation. Well, I look at it, too. Uh, reminded me of the situation when I was in Baltimore when we had traded uh, to get T.O. Yep. And remember, I was outside Ozzy's office listening to Ozzy call T.O. Mm-hmm. What I thought was going to be a happy, congratulatory phone call didn't go so well. <laughs> T.O. said, I'm not coming. It's not happening. I want to be in Philadelphia. Ended up going through that whole process. I think he like filed a grievance or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens ended up getting a, a comp pick out of the deal. And then, sure enough, he went exactly where he wanted to go. Ironically, he was dying to play with Donovan and wanted Man. to go to Philly. Got a big contract. Was happy for a minute. Didn't end up, <laughs> didn't up uh, with a great relationship there. But, again, he was somebody else who was dead set on forcing his way to get his money, and he, he got it done. He got it done. And so now the, the trick would be for the Oakland Raiders. You're bringing in an unknown into the locker room. He is an outstanding worker. But, look, he loves the social media life. He is um, a star, and he's a star beyond the football field. And so how does that impact and influence the younger guys that you may have on that team? Secondly, how does he get along with Derek Carr? I know they played together in a Pro Bowl, and they appear to have this bromance on uh, IG, but can they really get along? What happens when he's not able to get him the ball? Um, Does he kind of go off on his own? Uh, And then thirdly, how does John Gruden manage this situation? Um, I tweeted out, like, look, in my experience with Gruden having played for him his first season with the Oakland Raiders and watching him right after that, Gruden likes older players. He believes that older players allow him to skip some steps when it comes to building out his offense, building out his team. Uh, I saw him personally when he took Jerry Rice and Tim Brown, and they were on the backside of the career. He made them very, very productive. And that team, even though he was gone, eventually made his way to the Super Bowl. So how will he script this game plan or this playbook to allow Antonio Brown to be a dominant player? Um, I think that is going to be interesting to watch. And the last thing will be, do they have another trick up their sleeve? Is there one other guy that could be hanging out there that they bring in? Maybe, maybe a teammate, a teammate of AB, maybe number 26. Yep. If he comes over, then you're talking about a complete makeover. And you're talking about a team that I'm not saying that they're contenders, but I'm saying an offense that looks very, very different, but very, very dangerous on paper. A couple things. Number one on this Antonio Brown thing, pretty simple numbers. Kansas City Chiefs average 35 points a game. The Oakland Raiders average 18 points a game you got to find a way to score more points. And you've got a guy in Antonio Brown who led the NFL in touchdowns uh, last year, receptions with 15. So he's a point producer. First and foremost, if they're going to be competitive, they've got to get more explosive offensively. That helps. I like the strategy. Now that they've gone out and signed Trent Brown. Uh, wasn't the biggest believer in Colt Miller. Looks like he's going to be kicking over to the right side, try his hand over there. Uh, but they're trying to spend money, it appears, offensively mm-hmm. in free agency, which would allow them to focus defensive heavy in the draft. So it does look like there's a, a clear strategy there. Secondly, changing subjects, Buck, we already have a signing. We said we would have a signing during the recording. And Quan Alexander, four-year deal with the 49ers, a linebacker, $54 million. Is that breaking news? Yeah, that's our breaking, breaking news sound How about that, that we can throw in. So, yeah, four that's years. That's rap sheet. 
Four years, 54 million. I was just about ready to get in your ear and say we have one, but you jumped the gun. You were on it, DJ. Oh, yeah. We're, I mean, we might have more. But to me, this, again, Buck, I feel like we've been hitting these trends, right? Uh, run, cover, blitz. You're going to get paid at the linebacker position. Man, the off-the-ball linebackers, the guys that can run are super athletic, that have some versatility, uh, definitely are the difference makers uh, on defense. The way the game is trending with more teams uh, opting to play offense where they're going through the air, you have to have defenders that can run, cover sideline to sideline, can make plays against the run, but really they can cover people and make those game-changing plays against the pass. And so Kwan Alexander, despite coming off an injury, gets big money. So that just tells you when we look at the draft and we're thinking about Devin White and Devin Bush and any yep. other linebacker that can run, take them up around because they're going to be coveted more than the old school linebackers used to be. Here's a, here's a fun game to play at home as you're following along with free agency. Play this game with me. Every free agent that signs a big money contract can be directly related to a whiff in the draft. Play that game. Yes. 49ers. Quan Alexander, linebacker, getting huge money. What did the 49ers do in the first round of the draft not long ago? Reuben Foster, off the field issues, gone. So not only do you end up missing on a player, it's costly to replace him. Now, Fred Warner's been a good player for them. They hit, hit a gem there out of BYU. But they spend big money to big in Quan Alexander. Last year, we talked just a second ago, left tackle, Colton Miller. If he, if he has a great year as a left tackle, you think they're going out and signing Trent Brown to this type of money, Buck? No chance. No chance. And then even even the Antonio Brown move, look, they they where they were in the process with Amari Cooper. We know how great it turned out for the Cowboys, but at the end of his time there in Oakland, it wasn't he wasn't the player that they thought they were getting when they picked him in the top five that year. So they move on from him, and now you're spending big money to bring in Antonio Brown to replace him. So anytime you see big money, you can almost always directly connect it to a miss in the draft. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, those draft misses, particularly early, are very, very expensive. And as much as we want to put a lot into the process of draft, develop, and re-sign our own players, it is very, very difficult to draft uh, precisely and to get it right all of the time. The things that you have to do, and we've talked about it, like if we take it like a baseball approach, don't try and hit home runs. Let's try and hit doubles. Let's try and get people on base and move them around. And don't reach for players. Even though you have a need, let's make sure that the player that you take, especially at the top of the board, warrants that kind of consideration. Because when you reach and you miss, it only hurts you later. And now you have to spend double, maybe even triple what you have to spend to make amends for a correctable mistake. No doubt. Uh, that's that's exactly how it goes down. So uh, 49ers being aggressive. It, and there's, look, there's all kinds of stuff floating around on uh, Twitter right now with with Odell Beckham, you know, potentially being available via trade. I know that's been somewhat shot down by Dave Gettleman, uh, but that name is out there and the connection has been made to the 49ers, um, like social media. I don't know what you believe, what you know, what's out there, but there's some interesting, uh, interesting rumors floating around this time of year, Buck. It's crazy. The Odell thing to me, I guess the thing that drives me crazy about the Odell Beckham thing is no matter what the GM says, I just believe – so much of the conversation around him is just that anytime you say Odell Beckham Jr., you get a reaction, you get a bunch of yeah. clicks and the like. And so it's harder for me to separate real from fiction. I just yeah. don't know. Are they really shopping him? Or is this something where like, hey, it would be nice for Odell to, to get out of there because I'm trying to figure out what changed from last year when he was signed to right now at this moment besides the money. Yeah, no, it's, it's a legitimate, legitimate question. But it's, it's there's – 
Sure is a lot of smoke out there. And I typically mean, his, where there's smoke, there is fire. There's His name's out there. All right. Uh, before we get to our conversation with Ohio State wide receiver Paris Campbell, probably should I should have teased that at the top because it's a, <laughs> uh, a fun dude to talk to, somebody who absolutely dominated the combine with his performance there. Uh, top 50. You got a new top 50 list out, Buck. No changes for me at the top uh, with the first, uh, what, five guys. I've got Bosa, Quentin Williams, Josh Allen, Christian Wilkins from Clemson, and TJ Hawkinson. You know, Hawkinson didn't run quite as fast. Don't care. The tape is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fine with it. He knows how to get open, and he dominates in the run game. So, uh, to me, he's a special player. A couple changes thereafter, but anything uh, anything catch your eye on the list there? Go ahead. Fire away. <laughs> I mean, like, I think the big thing is Montez Sweat appears to be closing ground. Yep. And I noticed that he is ranked ahead of Clellan Farrell. And I yep. think for some people that would be a bit of a surprise um, before, after, doing whenever the combine. Uh, what are the differences between the two edge rushes, Sweat and Farrell? Yeah, totally different guys. Uh, you're going to get a little bit more edge setting from Farrell, so that to me is a, a feather in his cap. Montez Sweat just has elite get off, elite burst. He can bend um, the the length, the 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 combination of the athleticism and the length, and he has production. Now Farrell's got tons of production. That's 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 great for him. I think you get the production plus the the traits, the athleticism there with Sweat. Um, so both good football players in their own way, but I go, I tend to lean a little bit more towards the athleticism and the upside there with Montez Sweat versus Farrell. I think Farrell's going to be a uh, eight to ten to eleven, you know, sack guy in that range every year. Mm-hmm. I think Sweat has a capability to do a little bit more than that, uh, but also comes with maybe a little bit more risk because he does not as good against the run. Uh, he's not as powerful. So I think Farrell higher floor, Sweat higher ceiling. I mean, I can't disagree. I think I think the bigger thing is is um, what's the value when they come off the board, what system they go into, because I think system is really important for Farrell and for Sweat in terms of being able to really e- be edge players where they are really able to kind of turn it loose and go. Farrell even maybe more so than Sweat because you talked about his issues against the run. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I also see another edge rusher, and this is one that I want to talk to, and I probably should have mentioned him in the same breath. Brian Burns from Florida yep. State. Uh, going into the combine, there were con- some concerns about how heavy would he be. Is he going to be 225, 228 pounds, weighs in heavy, he's a super athlete. We didn't get a chance to really talk about him at the combine. What do you see from the Florida State standout? Put on 20 pounds. I mean, that's it's pretty simple, really. Like, why did he move up? It's not because he ran fast or moved around well. I knew he would do those things. Uh, but when you hear that he's played in the 220s and then all of a sudden he shows up and he's 249, and carries it really well, was not a bad 249. He has the frame to be able to hold that uh, going forward. To me, that's a, that's, a, that's a huge concern lifted for me. Now, he's a little bit similar. There's three – with Josh Allen, to me, Josh Allen, Montez Sweat, and Brian Burns, they're, they're all kind of in that same family, Buck, where you've got guys that are more, a little bit more finesse rushers uh, with speed and bend and athleticism. Um, not as much shock and power and explosiveness in their hands. Now, the reason why I have them in the order that I do, uh, with Allen being all the way up there at number three, Sweat at 10, and uh, and then you go all the way down there to 24 with Brian Burns, is that is really, to me, how they are with their hands at the top, from the top to the bottom. I think there's a little bit more shock uh, in the hands there with Josh Allen to go along with all that athleticism. Sweat a little bit below that, and then Burns, to me, is that next tier. Uh, but three guys with a similar skill set, freaky athletes. 
I mean, you can't get enough edge rushers. Like the one thing that is consistent in terms of what will get paid and what you have to have when you draft and you have to have edge rushers. And so to that point, I want to flip on the other side of the ball because the guys that neutralize those edge rushers are your offensive tackles. And I see Andre Dillard continues to be your number one guy. But Juwan yep. Taylor appears to have made a bit of a move, if I'm not mistaken, to be your second guy. Uh, what is it that you like about him, even though he's played extensively on the right-hand side? Yeah, no, and he stayed. That's where exactly where I had him before. I think maybe you could say Taylor's moved up or down one spot on the overall list. Okay. But the, but the order, yeah, the order with Dillard um, and then Taylor to that has stayed the same. And then even Jonah, who I consider Jonah Williams a, uh, a guard. Yeah. Um, but that order has stayed the same. The difference probably of that whole offensive line group is Cody Ford slid down a little bit for me. I was a little bit disappointed just in the overall athleticism with him, Buck. Uh, but the rest of the list, you know, kind of they were all clumped together. Now there's a little bit of separation there between those three and Ford. Uh, but to me, look, passing league, I'm going to stick with the best pass protector in Andre Dillard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think Juwan Taylor's far behind him, and he actually gives you more in the run game. So I wouldn't have a problem at all if you had that flipped uh, because you say, okay, he's, he's, he's a good pass protector. He's great in the run game. Um, so I can understand how you'd have Juwan Taylor over Dillard. I think that's a conversation that's fair to have. Uh, those two guys are very close. They're, uh, I mean, they're two spots away. One, Dillard's 11 and, and Taylor's 13. Um, and then the conversation gets into Jonah Williams, whether you believe he's a guard or a tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good football player. I see him inside. And then after that, to me, there's a little bit of a drop-off. And then, really, Buck, you start getting into that, those, uh, the 30s and 40s. Cluster I like the, I like the, yes, yeah. there's a good cluster of offensive linemen in there. You know, those, uh, both tackles and guards. I think the second round, if you want to go D-line D in the first round and, uh, and you want to go offensive line in the second round, I, I think you're going to love who, who's going to be avail- available for you. There are some good football players. There are some good football players, and I'm looking right now, I'm looking at 38 and Dalton Reisner. I'm looking at yep. uh, 41, Caleb McGarry. And 40 then, and Eric McCoy, too. Yeah, I mean, Eric McCoy at center is, is, is outstanding. Had a conversation with someone that worked him out, uh, helped him get ready, and talked about his athleticism and how good he he is and how good he think he can be at the next level. Um, there's a guy at 50, Titus Howard from Alabama State, yep. that is kind of into the thing. And it's interesting that you brought him up because I had this conversation, one, at the East West Shrine game when um, a scout said, hey, man, the kid at Alabama State is someone that I'm really, really high on. Uh, then had a chance to talk to him at the combine. He is athletic. And I think the biggest thing about Titus Howard and his story, you just don't see quarterbacks transition to tight end, then to offensive tackle. It is a remarkable transition for a high school quarterback to end up as an offensive tackle and to be one that is good enough to be classified as a top 50 prospect. It says a lot. What do you like about him on tape? Well, to me, just the the athleticism. I I like that there's always a small school offensive lineman in the second round range. We've seen it. We go back to Taron Armstead and, uh, and what he became there for the Saints. Uh, but there's a sweet spot there, and there's always one of these guys that emerges. Now, in the Senior Bowl, it was up and down, a little bit inconsistent, Buck. But I start with the, the framework of having a, a big-time NFL body that you can you can build around. He can put on more weight. He can hold a, a, a lot of weight, and then he's got, some, he's got great feet. He flashes power, um, knows how to use his hands. Now, he just needs to get continue to get physically in his core, get a little bit stronger. Um, those things are going to come. For a small school guy, he's a little bit underdeveloped that way. I think you'll see that improve uh, rapidly. But like a debate that I had for this 50th spot, he's number 50. You've got him, then you've got Max Sharping, 
from Northern Illinois, who's mm. a little bit more sturdy. Um, he has some technique things he can kind of clean up a little bit. He's at Northern Illinois. I mean, it's not like he's at Alabama, but he's at a bigger program there. He's a little bit further ahead in his development. I think for year one, uh, you might like what you have in Sharping a little bit more, but Titus, How- Titus Howard has a little bit more upside, a little bit more room to grow. But those are the fascinating conversations that are happening in, uh, in draft rooms as we go towards the draft. They are fascinating. So um, the fascination for me continues because um, uh, I'm a step one step outside of offensive tackle is tight end. And, yeah. um, and looking at number five, you have TJ Hawkinson, where he deserves to be. I think he's, he's the top tight end. But no offense, you have at 15. How much separation do you see between the guys, and what are the differences when you evaluate them on tech? Yeah, and, and trust me, I, I love Hawkinson, and uh, there are some teams are going to have Noah Fant as a top tight end because he's more explosive. There's some teams, Buck, that think Noah Fant's just an X, like just he could be <laughs> he's a just a big, big wide receiver. They, they compare, him to, they, they compare him to Vincent Jackson. You remember scouting Vincent Jackson. Yeah, right? I remember. Yes, for sure. Not that dissimilar in terms of their athleticism. So, you know, there's some teams view him that way. He's a, he's a true mismatch tight end in the passing game. He's functional in the run game. He's not terrible. He's functional. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is dominant in the run game. TJ Hawkinson, to me, is a better route runner, has a better sense of being able to use leverage and set guys up, option routes. He's going to be more comfortable in that realm. No offense, is going to blaze right by you. He's, mm-hmm. he's going to run right past you. So you're going to use him on deep overs, uh, takeoffs, uh, those types of things. You're going to scream him down the seam. He's going to make plays. But Hawkinson, to me, I thought was a better route runner. I thought he had more consistent natural hands, and he's just an elite player in the run game. So that's why I have him there, and I fully acknowledge Noah Fant could go ahead of him, and Noah Fant could be somebody that uh, that sets the world on fire because he's a big play waiting to happen at the tight end spot. He is a big play waiting to happen. When you watch their tape, it's really fun because you don't see teams uh, at the collegiate level that do some of the creative things they do with the tight ends, two tight ends on the field, uh, pushing those guys uh, vertically, really taking advantage of both of their skills and their athleticism. And then what you see with T.J. Hawkinson in the run game, he dominates people. And we saw an offseason where – Rob Gronkowski dominated the game. Oh yeah, by rarely touching the ball, but just controlling the game at the line of scrimmage, just kind of grinding it out. And so I am all about it. I, I mean, I kind of love the fact that the tight end position is back in vogue. Um, I want to go to defense. I want to. Yeah. I want to continue to talk about man. You have so many interesting things because I do think this draft is unique. There are four corners. That are I knew you were within, going corner. I knew you were within, going corner. Because it just caught my eye. One, two, yep. three, four, within like a six or seven pick radius. And in order, the way you have it is Byron Murphy, Rocky Sin, DeAndre Baker, and Greedy Williams. I don't know if some people would uh, say that as it may have it flipped. Um, what do you think about the corner class overall? And what is it about Byron Murphy that made him your number one guy? And I'm not saying that I disagree with him being number one. Yeah, I look, and to me, the pass rushers we talked about, I, I focus a little bit more on ceiling uh, with those pass rushers. Um, and, and, I, and I say that. I don't think those guys, their floor is, is ridiculously low. It's just there's maybe a little bit more risk with those pass rushers. With the corners, uh, when I go back and look at it, when I've been a little more conservative at that position, I've been better served. You know, mm-hmm. and Tredavious White is the poster child for it. I know wrong. what I'm buying. I know exactly what I'm getting. And I can win with him. And to me, that's when I look at Byron Murphy and Rocky Sin. To me, those are right in the fairway. Um, high, high floor. And uh, it's still a good enough ceiling. You know, I think those guys have a chance to go to some Pro Bowls, uh, be really, really good football players. 
Now they're not Patrick Peterson. I don't think there is a Patrick Peterson in this no. draft. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. think there's a Denzel Ward in this draft. I don't think there's a Marshawn Lattimore in this draft. So to me, when we start talking about guys that are in that bottom one, top of two, Tre'Davious White is my north star, uh, and that's why I point to, and that's why I go with those two guys. DeAndre Baker, I had as a top corner coming into the combine, but the, they, these guys were all clustered together, and that's where the combine can be great because I can watch these guys run around. I can watch their movement skills. And I can kind of compare them. And to me, I thought DeAndre Baker came in came in third compared to those top two guys. And then Greedy, uh, Greedy Williams to me is the if you there's a couple guys if you said uh, four years from now he's been to three Pro Bowls and has emerged as an elite player wouldn't totally shock me. Four years from now, if his drafting team was looking to move on, it, it wouldn't shock me. I just think there's a there's a lot of range of what you can get there. There's a lot of range, and it's funny that you have this uh, have him ranked this way because I do believe like I had. The way that I had it early, I got a new top five that will come out tomorrow. But yep. my initial list, I had Greedy Williams at the top. I had Byron Murphy right after that, DeAndre Baker. Um, and and I think the thing about Byron Murphy is I just believe in what I'm getting. I know exactly yep. what I'm getting. And I think for coaches, a lot of times it's easy to take a player who may not have the highest ceiling, but you know exactly what he's getting. You know how to plug him into your defense. You know whatever his issues or limitations are you're fine with, but you know each and every week he's going to be the same. The issue that you have with talented players, and we'll just use Greedy Williams as an example, um, he could be a guy that is a lockdown corner one week, but the next week he could get his back beat out. And it is hard to account for that when you're putting plans together. And so sometimes, and this comes directly from the mouth of a couple of defensive back coaches and D coordinators, they told me, man, sometimes you just want the really good football player and the talented guy who kind of gives you the up and down stuff, they scare you. They've said mm-hmm. that we've been burned enough by these guys that kind of fluctuate that I would rather know that I'm taking maybe a lesser talent but a more consistent player because I know I can win with that player. And I think that is reflective in these rankings, and I think that's kind of the way that the league is going. We like the super athletes, but really on draft day, I want to make sure that we hit doubles. I want to make sure that the guy that I take – is going to be a consistent starter for four or five years on that rookie deal. No doubt. And that's, to me, that's a, when you have ties that need to be broken, you know, that's, that's how I, I broke those, you know. So to me, that you got similarly graded players um, at the corner position, specifically that one. I've just, you know, over history, betting on the floor over the ceiling has worked at that position. So that, that's, why I, that's why I went there. It does. Um, man, we could go on and on, but I, I can't let you go. There are two things. One, yep. introduction to Justin Lane from Michigan State. What do you like about him quickly? Yeah, no, look, he's he's somebody that's very much in the mix, and it wouldn't shock me if we go through this draft process and we look back and he emerges as the best corner in this group. Former receiver, he's got good ball skills, finds the ball. He didn't have a lot of pick production, but he gets his hands on a lot of balls. He's He can play up, he can play off. He's very patient, he's very fluid, he's very smooth. Um, ran plenty fast enough, Buck. To me, I think he's a classic second-round corner. Yeah, I think I think I think he's pretty good. I, I think he's a really good player. He made his way into it. And then uh, running back Miles Sanders from Penn State uh, yeah. after the combine, uh, more conversation about him. And the running back class is really interesting because I don't know if there are a lot of stars. I mean, I think the only guy who really has a legitimate chance of being a first-round pick is Josh Jacobs, and we'll see what he looks like after his pro day. Yeah. But Miles Sanders, in, in a class where everyone is kind of clumped together, 
Um, I think he benefited from standing out at the combine and finally kind of getting away from the shadow of Saquon Barkley. What do you like about him on tape? Yeah, I mean, you start just simple height, weight, speed. He checks all those boxes. He runs hard. He catches the ball a little bit more than some of these other guys in the class. Um, So that's a good place to start from. Um, I went back. I had watched him a little bit later, and this is why, you know, I always try and tell people when they ask, how does this guy move on this list, and how does he – look, this is a marathon, not a sprint. All that matters is when you arrive on draft day that's that we're you get, to get the to. guys in the best order you can possibly get them in. So it's a, it's like a it's a living, breathing document, Buck. And, mm-hmm. like, he's somebody that I'm talking to a couple different teams. So, man, he had a great combine. I liked him. I kind of had him more in that third-round range. But he looked a little bit better than that. Okay, what games did you watch? Okay, I tell him what games I watch. You need to go watch him early in the year. Watch him early in the year. You're going to see him at his best. Um, he kind of fought through some things after that. So – I go back and I watched a pit game. I watched App State, which was the opener. Um, and so those two games, I'm like, okay, okay, now I see it a little bit more. I see a little bit more of that juice that we saw in the workout. I saw that translate here. Um, so to me, uh, that's why this time of year is great. And and I'm not even – he's not in concrete in terms of his relationship to David Montgomery. Uh, I want to go back and do a little bit more on Montgomery, who's 49. He's right behind him uh, in my running back order. Uh, but that's going to be continuing to jostle for position as you get to watch and complete the scouting process. In order to get information on these guys ready for the combine, you kind of go with a little bit of a thin layer on on all these guys. And now we're going to get to breathe a little bit, Buck, and find these clusters we talk about and really dig on them and sort them out. Yeah, I mean, this is a fun part of the process. And, in fact, I kind of like going over lists. I think the conversation that we're able to have over prospects is one that is very, very similar to what we would do in meeting rooms going back and forth, debating, um, uh, weighing the pros and cons of players, how do we stack it. That's where we are in the process right now. Um, after the combine, everyone has the information, and the board, as you say, is it's not all the way in concrete. Like We're just kind of tweaking and putting guys and reordering guys based on the athleticism and additional film work. And so uh, that's where we are. And so your top 50 list is new. Uh, everyone to get a chance to check it out. My top five list um, will be updated and tweaked, and we'll see. I'll follow that later today. And a lot of it is due to more conversations, more film study, and a studying of the numbers of the athleticism that was compiled at the combine. No doubt. It, it all kind of goes into that that stew there to kind of put this whole thing together. Uh, NFL.com slash Bucky Brooks, by the way, you'll be able to find Buck's uh, new top five list posting uh posting shortly so i'm looking forward to that we'll talk about that on the next pod as well buck um hey before we uh before we go any further fun chat there on the top 50 uh ohio state buckeyes they're always going to be in top 50 discussion because we have every year uh this school continues to churn out players and could not be more excited uh, to talk with one of them right now all right, Buck, excited to be joined by one of the most explosive players in the 2019 draft class, Ohio State's Paris Campbell. Paris, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. How you guys doing? I'm doing good. First question is, uh, man, the combine. Did, did, did you hit every <laughs> single – did you know you were going to hit every single mark that you hit when you went there because you put on a show? Yeah, for, for the most part I did. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was kind of disappointed when they uh, hit four twos, but, you know, I'll take four three one for sure. <laughs> I wish I could be disappointed with the, <laughs> with, with four threes. <laughs> you know, to that point, Paris, there's been a lot of conversation about you coming out of the combine, as if maybe some people didn't recognize your speed and explosiveness. Um, coming into the combine, what were some of the things that you wanted to prove, and did you prove that beyond just running a fast 40? 
Right. Um, so number one, I think the, the number one thing I wanted to prove is uh, my route running ability. Um, I think that uh, that was kind of slept on coming into the combine. And, you know, just from my film, you know, in college, I didn't, you know, run a variety of routes uh, just based on the position I played. So that was number one. Um, and I felt like I, I had clean routes. Uh, I was able to, you know, sink my hips well um, and just show my, you know, my speed in and out of cuts. And I think that was a positive for me. Yeah, one of the things I'm glad you mentioned that because you did, you, you ran outstanding routes there at the combine. When I go back and look at look at my notes, like a couple of the questions that I had, um, you did a nice job with at the combine. I thought, look, you didn't run a variety of routes, but there were times I thought maybe at the top you were a little bit methodical in terms of getting in and out, but you didn't have to do it very right. much. And the other thing was mm-hmm. just adjusting to some balls down the field. I thought that would be something, an area you can improve on. Clearly, you've put in the time in both of those areas because it looks so clean and smooth at the combine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just this whole, you know, this whole process, that's been my focus, you know, working on my weaknesses. And obviously, you know, you just pointed them out, and I knew it, knew it right off the bat, you know, coming out and getting ready for this process. Um, so D-bar tracking, you know, locating those balls, definitely um, another thing that I wanted to prove at the combine, which, you know, I think I did as well. You know, I'm going for, uh, Buck, I'm going to that pro day, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just see it one more time. I, just get, <laughs> I get one more time to see it, then I'm in. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm boarding the Paris Campbell train, and, and I'm leaving the station. But I can see it one more time. <laughs> That's funny. You know, you know, it's funny because uh, in talking to Paris a little bit before we started the interview, we talked about that role that he plays at Ohio State, the H-back role. It's the role that Percy Harvin made famous for Urban Meyer, Florida. Curtis Samuel played in that role. But it's different going to the National Football League because you felt like people didn't get a chance to see your route running. How much have you really worked on other aspects of playing wide receiver to get ready for the National Football League? Yeah, so honestly, just started with this last season, you know, of my senior my senior uh, season. Coach Hartline was a huge help for me. I mean, having him as a coach this last year uh, really not only helped myself, but helped all the wideouts. Um, and route running is, you know, one of his 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 techniques that he takes very serious. Um, and it was just something that I kind of took from him um, that led me on into this process that helped a lot. Um, so the route running, number one, uh, obviously, you know, um, standing on top of my hand, standing on eye coordination, uh, deep ball checking, like I mentioned. Um, you know, th- those are kind of the two main things that I, I felt like I needed to prove um, at the combine, you know, going into pro day, uh, same thing. So those two things, definitely, I was on, I was on top of this whole process. One, uh, one piece of free advice I'll give you is that, you know, your boy Mike Thomas, who's had a phenomenal <laughs> NFL career, he went can't guard Indeed. Mike. So I think if you just switch your <laughs> handle up to can't run with Paris, we, right. we can kind of match what he's doing there. Right. <laughs> Indeed, get you a, crea- get you a creative handle. <laughs> right, right. I guess so, huh? <laughs> uh, have, have you had any relationship with Mike, though? I mean, look, if you want to talk about study, studying route runners at the next level, you don't have to go very far. You know, one, one guy that you guys uh, got a chance to claim as your own there at Ohio State, Mike Thomas is as good as it gets when it comes to route running. Yeah, indeed. Uh, you know, and Mike came back uh, to a lot of our games actually this past season. Um, and Mike always gives tidbits. You know, I'm able to text him, FaceTime him, whatever. Um, and he's actually been a huge help for myself as well. Uh, just because, you know, he, he knows the transition, especially him knowing the Ohio State offense, knowing the role that I played. Um, he knows the transition I'm going through right now. So he's been a huge help as well. You know, I, I can't let you go because I, I have to – digging the, the way back machine and I have to look at your background and in high school I noticed that you went to a high school that has a famous alum you went to St. Mary St. Vincent High School which is the home of LeBron James who is yes, also sir. an honorary Buckeye I don't know if you have any relationship to the king <laughs> but is there anything that you've seen in his career or doing his time that he comes around the program that has kind of inspired you or kind of helped you want to get to the next level yeah um, I think the, the biggest thing that I saw from, you know, LeBron was actually when I was in high school, 
Um, he actually came around a lot. Um, during the NBA lockout, you know, he actually came and practiced with the football team, which, you know, everybody was kind of just shocked that he even did that. Um, and then, you know, as the time went on, he got new uniforms for the entire school, every sport. Um, so he's just all, all about giving back, man. And that that's something that, you know, stuck with me just because he never forgot where he came from. So, you know, he's a legend back in Akron, Ohio, for sure. Yeah, you guys do have a little bit of relationship too, right? I've seen him him, uh, him yeah. get at you a little bit on Twitter and give you some love. Yeah, that's my guy, man. Um, and that's kind of just been built, um, once again, back through high school. Um, you know, meeting him a couple of times and, you know, seeing him, you know, him, him giving me advice here and there. Um, so it, it's been built over time, you know, but he just likes to see, you know, kids from Akron succeeding and, you know, trying to follow his path for sure. Well, you guys have a uh, a loaded receiving core. We're going to see uh, this group go on to the next level. And, and McLaurin, I, and he's a fun player to watch, as, as physical as he is. You guys talked about John Dixon before we got rolling. Uh, but you guys have something in common and that you have one of the top quarterbacks in the country throwing you the ball. Uh, right. <laughs> what can you tell me? Give, give me something about your quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, that uh, that maybe most folks don't know. Um, honestly, I would just say um, at first, you know, uh, when Dwayne came, first came in, you know, everyone knew he had talent. I think just where he lacked was just uh, in leadership. And he took an extraordinary role um, this past season in leadership. Um, everyone knew he could throw the ball. Everyone knew that he would be, you know, um, you know, this high, highly touted quarterback, but everyone, you know, was concerned about his leadership and just the way that he took the, the bull by the horns on this team, uh, the things that he did uh, just throughout each game. You know, he always was poised in the huddle. You know, he always kept guys going, kept spirits up. And that was huge for us, um, you know, because we needed that from our quarterback, um, especially, you know, with JT Barry leaving and him being the leader that he was. Um, Dwayne really stepped out um, and just became that leader that we needed for us. You know, beyond his leadership, what else does Dwayne Haskins bring to the table when he's your starting quarterback? Uh, I think he brings swag. That's the number one thing that I think of. Um, you know, he steps on the field. He knows he knows he's the best quarterback. Um, and he, he just brings that swag. And uh, that allows, you know, for the receivers, the running backs, the line, just play with confidence, um, knowing that our quarterback has the confidence not only in himself but in us as well. I want to know what type of an athlete he is because that's been one of the concerns, right? Is you know, although some some folks said he was too athletic, uh, other folks said, okay, we question a little bit how can he move around. Now, now, get, have you have you hooped with him? Like, give me something about Dwayne athletically that we can pump him up a little bit. What we got? Uh, I I think I say he's an athlete when he wants to be. Uh, I, think if, I think I think if you go back to the you know the Maryland game, you know he actually yeah. uh, had a couple of rushing touchdowns that game and. Uh, you know, they were they were forcing him out of the pocket. And I think, you know, like I said, he's an athlete when he wants to be. So he ha- he has it. You know, he's just got to dig deep to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, love, I that. love it. So now on the other side of the ball, man, look, Ohio State has been loaded with defensive talent, particularly on the defensive line. You got another star that is coming out in Nick Bosa. When you think about Nick Bosa, what comes to mind? Uh, unstoppable. That's the first word. Um, the, honestly, you know, being an offensive player, but, uh, you know, just having Nick around, I used to go back and watch practice film and him just go through one-on-ones. And it was honestly um, some of the most amazing stuff that I've ever seen on the football field, man. He's he's elusive, uh, super athletic, and just to be that big and be able to move the, the way he does, um, you know, he, he's unstoppable. I don't think I've ever seen him get blocked, you know, in game or in practice. So uh, he's just really an unstoppable guy. Is there any story? Has anybody ever like talked trash to Nick or or got him stirred <laughs> up a little bit? Because I look, I, I work, I do the Charger games during the fall, Paris, and I know Joey yeah. is just very even keel. Like, does yeah. has anybody been able to get under his skin? Like, has he ever gotten a fight or anything? 
No, not not once. Him and Joy are kind of one and the same, man. They're the same people, same guy. And uh, even if you did talk smack to him, they'd probably just look at you and line up for the next rep and beat you. So it would, it, it would be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> that is – that is remarkable. So, look, we, we have the combine uh, in the rearview mirror. we got the pro day ahead. What are some of the things that you want to get done heading into the pro day to kind of solidify yourself as a top pick? Um, honestly, just do the same things that I've been doing, uh, working on the same things, and just continue to critique my craft, man. I think uh, the combine was a huge step for me um, in the right direction. And uh, I just want to show that I'm not, you know, it's not a one-hit wonder thing with me. I'm able to do it over time, and I'm consistent, man. So consistency is, is key right now. No, that's that's great, man. I'm gonna be out there. I can't wait to see you in Columbus. Sure. You're building this momentum, man. You you uh it, it, the way the year finished up for you was on an upswing, and then you take that over to the combine. You torch the combine, and now you get one more opportunity at this pro day. Uh, keep stacking Definitely. success on top of each other there. Congratulations, man, and it's sure. gonna be a fun ride for you. We appreciate you taking some time for us. All right, appreciate you guys, man. Thanks for the time. All right, Buck. Well, Paris Campbell, man. Uh, easy, to, easy to fall in love with him as a kid. I mean, just a, he's got a great smile. Uh, he's got great energy. We saw the way again he finished up the season, and he's continued to build that momentum through the combine. And I, I am, uh, I'm looking forward to going watching him one more time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to watching him as well. And I think he has certainly done himself a, a, a huge benefit by being able to really work out well at the combine because I think he put more eyes on him in terms of let's study him. Let's see if he's a guy that's worthy of being a top five receiver. Uh, what are the ways that we can creatively think about putting him on the field and allowing him to touch the ball? The fact that he's a returner uh, as a kick returner and put up big numbers as a returner, that that helps. And at a time where the league is really trending towards people trying to get the ball out, put the ball in the hands of their playmakers, guys that can do things on catch and run concepts, Paris Campbell is intriguing. And I think the conversation between Paris Campbell and Debo Samuels and some of the other guys that have yeah. those unique traits uh, will continue to kind of buzz as we and build as we get closer to the draft. Yeah, there's a lot of conversations, and you know we mentioned it briefly there, but he's not alone in terms of Ohio State wide receivers. Two other really good ones uh, in this draft who ran well, uh, McLaurin and Dixon. So uh, fun to watch those Buckeyes as they go through the process. All right, Buck, I think we're getting ready to get out of here. Anything else you want to want to add in the mix here before we bounce? No, 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 man. I'm, I'm excited. Like, I love this time of year. I love that we're getting close. Um, we're a week away from path to the draft, kicking off. Um, I know you can be at a bunch of pro days, but we'll be holding it down and doing some intriguing pros- projects where we talk about all these prospects in the draft. I, I love it. I, path to the draft is the best part of the year. Uh, I cannot wait for this thing to get cranked up. I'll be out in the road traveling a little bit, hitting these pro days. Um, but Path to the Draft, March 18th, uh, next week. We crank this up, and uh, I know you guys are going to enjoy this season. We've got a great group. Uh, Bucky really, really anchoring it down and running the show there this year, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and then we'll have, we'll have Lance Zerline as a regular coming up here on the Move the Sticks podcast. He'll start to come in next week, and I know with you traveling to OU this week, Ohio State, NC State, Duke, Mizzou, all those pro days, maybe there'll be some episodes where DJ – will be part of it. Maybe there'll be a couple where he won't be, but overall, DJ, you know, we know that you're out there traveling, so we're going to have Lance. We might have the PBU, Rhett Lewis, back in the yes. mix a little bit. Yes. So, uh, you know, it'll be good. We'll keep him going, and we'll keep putting out content. You guys mentioned Titus Howard earlier. We also have – he's one of the many interviews up on NFL.com slash MTS video, and frankly, I think he might have been our most – entertaining offensive lineman interview. He was really good. So if you go to NFL.com, you can check out the Titus Howard interview that Bucky did at the Combine. And I got to give a little shout-out. You mentioned Miles Sanders. 
Woodland Hills High School in Pittsburgh. Uh-oh. If he can live up to Steve Breston and Lusaka Polite and Jason Taylor and those guys, but that's where I grew up, so he's near and dear to my heart. So I'm not, I didn't grow up a Penn State fan, but I like Miles Sanders, so I'm glad to see him pop on your top 50 list. Yeah, he made the list just for you, Kent. Exactly. Uh, how great is that going to be? We'll get Zerline in here as well. He's watched a zillion of these players. He knows all their backgrounds. So he's going to add a lot to the to the pod, and we know uh, – we know how great Red is to be a part of the family here. So, Buck, remove the sticks. We're just growing. We're we're an evolving, growing band here. I know we're getting more 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 branches, more limbs. More yes, limbs. yes. Uh, all right, hey, let's get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening and uh, downloading the pod. Tell a friend. We'll keep growing this thing as we march towards the draft. Our 360 series is going to be here before you know it, uh, gathering tons of sound, uh, interesting voices there where we take a close uh, look at some of the top players in the upcoming draft. So be on the lookout for that as well. All the videos, nfl.com slash MTS video. That's going to do it for us. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.